0: This is Dollars and Change, a podcast about the intersection of business and social impact. Brought to you by the Wharton Social Impact Initiative.
1: Welcome to Dollars and Change. I'm Catherine Klein. I'm the Vice Dean for Social Impact at Wharton, and I'm excited today to be speaking with Bridget Hoyer-Goslink, Gosling, is the Director of Product Impact at Google.org. Bridget, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Catherine. Fantastic. So let's start at the top. What is Google.org? Many of us know Google.
0: Some of us don't know Google.org. Yeah, absolutely. So Google.org um, is Google's philanthropic and charitable arm. It uh, was founded in 2005, been around for quite a while, actually, as part of the uh, original IPO letter that uh, when Google went public. And we really work by supporting nonprofits and other social sector organizations around the world who are addressing some of our most critical challenges. And we work to bring the resources that Google has uh, across the board to that mission. So we, of course, have funding as part of that. We give about $200 million in grant funding every year. We also, though, try to really bring in what we can uniquely offer. So thinking about technology as a core focus, but also uh, our Googlers, our employees who have a range of expertise, obviously many technical, but um, many other functions as well, and really think about how we can leverage their time and their capabilities to be addressing the problems that we have in partnership with these uh, nonprofit organizations who are working on the front lines of these issues day in and day out. Great.
1: Can you talk a little bit about what's distinctive about Google.org, when you look at the world of corporate philanthropy and corporate foundations, uh, obviously lots of businesses do not have foundations uh, and might say, well, that's good for Google, but we can't do this. So situate uh, Google.org in this landscape.
0: Are you leaders? What's
1: innovative about you?
0: So I think what is really uh, distinctive about us is that we're bringing of the core mission and core values that Google has as a company to our philanthropic pursuits. So we have a really strong focus on technology, on innovation. We get really interested in maybe new models that are uh, cropping up in uh, the nonprofit sector and how we can support them potentially earlier on. We also, of course, are thinking about how technology can really be a force for positive change in our society. How can we be leveraging the same advantages Um, and advances that technology is offering for commercial businesses and in our day-to-day lives as consumers, how can we really be bringing those same benefits uh, to the the nonprofit sector, to organizations who are working on some of our most pressing social and environmental challenges? And I think we really try to do that um, across the board. One of the things that I think is we're really leading in is in ways that we're bringing our employees into that work. So we have an offering in particular That is called the Google.org Fellowship, where we bring teams of uh, Googlers full time, uh, second them for up to six months to work side by side with nonprofits that we're also funding to often deliver, you know, technical projects while also building those organizations capacity to continue doing that work when those teams roll off. And these are not, you know. Small teams are usually often um, five, seven, and we've had even teams up to a dozen folks, often the full suite of a product team that we would have at Google. So a product manager, software engineers, user experience designers, everything that we think we would need to deliver something as a company, sort of trying to bring that same type of a team to the organizations that we're working with to these nonprofits. And I think that um, I really believe is a, is a, a leading example of what can be done with talent. And I would say, you know, for smaller organizations maybe who don't have the dollars to put um, into the mix that we might have as a company, uh, thinking about employee time as a really valuable resource, particularly for organizations um, who might not have access to that. You know, we're a technology company, and so we really think about how can we unlock those technical resources, but similarly marketing resources, human resources uh, capacity, all of these things we know are areas in the sector. where. Um, thinking about transferring that knowledge and transferring that capacity could be critical to long-term success. Great.
1: So before we uh, dig into a few specifics, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about your funding, which I understand is linked, um, tied to Google's profits. So how how does this work? Where does your funding come from? How much?
0: What's the formula? So when Google went public, as I mentioned, we were founded as part of that, and um, the company committed one percent of equity, um, which was you know, sort of put into the foundation's initial uh, funding, and then an ongoing commitment of one percent of net profits. And Google.org is one of the primary recipients, kind of, of that one percent funding, which, as I mentioned, you know funds that grant budget that I that I spoke about about two hundred million dollars per year. So we're thinking about that as an, an annual investment that we're making as a company really making good on this commitment that started, you know, in the core DNA of the company, right? In our core founding letter, uh, to really continue to invest in uh, projects and uh, enterprises that have strong social impact. Great,
1: okay, so let's talk about some of those uh,
0: technology projects. My understanding is
1: you have an an AI, artificial intelligence impact challenge, uh, where you were inviting nonprofits to, uh, you know, work and apply for for your program. So what what was the AI Impact
0: Challenge and and how did it work? So we ran the AI Impact Challenge a couple of years ago now, and it was really acknowledging, as I mentioned, right, advances that we're seeing in technology across the board, um, especially in artificial intelligence and in machine learning, um, and really thinking about how can we help support organizations that are interested in applying this technology but might not have the funding because we know that often um, other funders might not feel they have the capacity to evaluate those ideas, or you know, organizations might not be able to see a grant proposal opportunities out there to get those ideas and um, make them a reality. But also, how can we be supporting them, right, with the technical expertise that I also mentioned? So we put out a $25 million fund and an open call globally for ideas um, coming from nonprofits, but also universities and some social enterprises to really see what was out there. And frankly, at the time, you know, I think we, it's now hard to even look back and remember that the hype cycle was a little bit low, high at the time, and we weren't sure exactly what we would find. It wasn't as common, I think, to be even talking about applications in the social sector, even just those couple of years ago. We had 2,600 applications from 119 countries, um, which was much more substantial than we had expected. Definitely posed a bit of a challenge for the review process. <laughs> um, but we were lucky enough to also be able to again leverage the technical expertise within the company. So we had over three hundred different technical folks volunteering their time to help us sort through those and really you know give advice on both whether this proposal is feasible from a technical standpoint. Um, and then obviously we were looking at them in order to sort through those that would have the most impact. So we funded twenty organizations out of that pool and um, provided them obviously with with funding but also expertise we ran an accelerator for nine months where each of them was paired with an ai coach an ai expert from the company and a number of them also received Google.org fellowships as i mentioned so kind of that full-time capacity and we've been excited to be tracking all their progress and seeing really some um, tremendous impact across the board yeah, extraordinary uh, extraordinary
1: number of applicants and uh you know, with, with what, over 100 to one uh, applicants or over 100 applicants for every one funded project. These are exciting and impressive projects. So um, tell us about, you know, one or two of these projects that give us a sense of, uh, I think, both the potential
0: for AI and how Googlers were involved. Yeah, we had projects, you know, ranging across the board. So we had, you know, things in the environmental space, for example, Watt Time and Carbon Tracker using image processing models to identify uh, power plant emissions around the world, which will hopefully be helpful for tracking global emissions um, in many other sectors as well. Everything from that to you know, organization in India, Bhavani AI, who's supporting smallholder farmers try to understand the pests that are coming into their cotton crops and therefore be able to apply the appropriate response. In a way that both minimizes over uh, pesticide use while still um, making their crops and their yield much higher. Um, One example that I think has been really particularly powerful has been with an organization here in the U.S. called the Trevor Project. They work to provide crisis counseling services to LGBTQ youth, um, primarily through text and web and and um, a crisis hotline. And um, some may know, but you know, always bears repeating that the LGBTQ youth suicide challenge in our country is tremendous. So it's estimated that 1.5 million LGBTQ youth seriously consider suicide every year. And we know that this is a problem that's been getting worse with COVID uh, as the youth are often being asked to shelter in place in essentially an unsupportive environment, being cut off from their community. So we've seen, unfortunately, an uptick in the need for those services. The Trevor Project got initially a grant from us of $1.5 million, and then also had a team of Google Google.org fellows, this, the full time team working with them to do a queue optimization problem. So they were looking to think to figure out how they could best ensure that as someone was coming into their a crisis queue, they were able to identify which of those individuals might be at highest risk and need in need of talking to a counselor quite quickly. And which of them, you know, maybe could wait if there was a higher demand than supply at that moment. And so um, they're using AI to do a semantic analysis of that uh, incoming chat and then, you know, sort them based on um, on urgency.
1: So I was just going to um, make sure I'm, you know, I'm understanding it and our listeners are understanding it. So you have uh, youth in distress who are texting and calling in and saying, you know, I need to talk to someone. And the question is, is this you know, who should get who should get a counselor first? Who should get online or, or phone uh, attention first? And um, is it first come, first serve? Is it some is there some indicator in what and how people are presenting themselves that's going to allow the Trevor Project to know we, we, these kids are most at risk, and that's where the the AI is coming in.
0: That's right. So looking at that that initial chat, that language, uh, keywords in the uh, initial you know outreach from that young person, and then using natural language processing to be able to you know understand the, even the sentiment maybe behind some of those words, so that it's not just you know, does it say suicide? Because there might be a lot of other things that maybe someone's not saying that word specifically, but otherwise might be um, indicating an imminent harm or you know, an imminent risk to, to that themselves. So um, learning from these examples and then building an AI model to be able to do that optimization. Got it. And, and how has this affected the, the Trevor project? Do you have a sense of, you know, is this making a difference for them? Yeah, so they have um, started to roll these models out, and are you know seeing an, an indication that the in the early tests that the model is uh, performing well, which is great. And then the thing we're excited about now is we're in a second project with them as well. So we've um, invested additional funding, and also have a fellowship team working on the other side of this problem on the supply side. So um, as we now, as they're also recruiting counselors during especially a time where they used to do remote or they used to do in person training, but now need to be doing that training in a remote format. We're in the middle of this pandemic. They are um, have been working on a conversation simulator to be able to train counselors in response. And so um, this is not yet deployed and, and it's um, early work, but that is the next sort of um, uh, effort that we're working on with them with and trying to think about how you can get more counselors while we're also still triaging the queue to make sure that the folks that get there, get into that queue are served most quickly.
1: And um, I can imagine a lot of Googlers, uh, a lot of your employees who would be interested in this kind of project, how do they apply? How do you pick who gets to, who gets to, who has to work on a project like this?
0: Yeah, so they do apply. So we will, you know, work in partnership with the organization, in this case, Trevor, to you scope a project and specifically scope out which roles we also think which functions will be most effective in, you know fulfilling out that team sometimes that it depends on the resources that the organization has um often of course also informed by the needs of that project itself and um yeah then we'll we put a posting up internally and and folks are able to apply for that and sometimes it's you know, quite competitive we're also lucky in that if it works out we are able to often send a bigger team. So in the case of Trevor, we actually had um, uh, a number of fellows with the team and that was due to seeing a lot of interest from from Googlers who really wanted to work on this particular challenge.
1: How has the pandemic affected your work? is google.org doing more projects, different kinds of
0: projects? Yeah, so we, as did everyone this year, had to pivot our work substantially (laughs) over the course of of this year and really um, have made a concerted effort to be responding directly to the pandemic and the needs that it's presented. So briefly, as a funder, you know, we tried to reach out to many of our grantees and offer them flexibility more than anything to, you know, on things like reporting, but also, just even in their funds, if it was necessary to just acknowledge the situation that we find ourselves in. Um, we've committed $100 million of our budget this year specifically to COVID 19 response. At some point, most of what we're doing, I think, actually ended up being quite relevant as this pandemic has continued. And that work has been across economic relief and recovery, You're working in health and science and health equity, um, working in trying to address some of the needs around distance learning. Really panned all of that. And and we've brought in some of that AI and data focus and that in the health work in particular, supporting um, modeling and data that we know is critical to understanding the virus and its effects. Um, And then have also done a lot of work around um, economic relief and recovery, as I mentioned, specifically um, some work that we've been really proud of around cash and cash transfers, um, including work with Give Directly. Yeah, so I'd love to
1: talk about that too. Give Directly is a, you know, is a, uh, an interesting organization and interesting strategy for listeners who don't know what this means. What is Give Directly?
0: So GiveDirectly is a nonprofit organization who essentially uh, through um, electronic transfer gives cash directly to low-income families. Their work started in East Africa and they've been experimenting more recently with some models here in the U.S. as well Um, including new work that started during COVID that we were excited to support. We've been a supporter of theirs since the early days um, of their founding and have given a number of different grants, started with support, of course, for their work in East Africa, uh, where they were doing direct cash transfers using mobile money and have expanded um, our support as they've been thinking about how they can respond in the COVID pandemic. So we've done work with them to. Uh, provide cash assistance to families who are kind of near our big Google locations um, across the U.S. And that effort, you know, just from the Google side, they've raised funds from others as well, but we've raised over $20 million from Googlers, from our funding as Google.org, from other foundations in the public for these campaigns in, um, in 12 cities around the U.S.
1: And what's the response to, you know, concerns that, wait a minute, if we give directly to people in need... Right. The skeptic um, may think, well, how do I know where they're going to spend the money? And, um, you know, can we trust these people? And are, are, are they going to drink this? Are not they going to smoke this money? What's the logic for, for giving directly?
0: Yeah. So it's a great question. And I think, um, you know, one thing that I think is really powerful about cash is it really asks us to reframe the way that we think about the right answer. Um, for supporting people who are in need. And frankly, we don't ask those questions of a lot of other people in our society. We don't make assumptions that they might spend money in the wrong ways. So there's really something I think with cash that suggests that people do actually know what their needs are. They know what their goals are. And they probably have actually maybe in many cases, the most efficient way to achieve those goals it's not true necessarily for maybe things that are more of a public good, you know, setting up a school, for example, is something that, you know, maybe needs some um, more infrastructure around it if someone's goal is learning, but if someone's, you know, looking to grow their income, you know, whether they want to go and buy a cow or plant a field or, you know, invest in a small business, those are things that they're most likely um, in the best position to decide. And I think there's something really powerful about shifting the paradigm and Suggesting that that people actually do know what they need. And in crisis situations, I think it's even more important, right? In this moment of a pandemic, where frankly, many of the things that we've sort of known uh, to work are kind of breaking right now. Um, And so really trusting people and and offering them the opportunity to use that money for what they need. And on the sort of drinking and and smoking point, there are actually a lot of studies. Cash is also one of the most studied um, interventions in the social sector. And uh, if you're interested, can check out many of these studies posted on the Give Directly website. And there's very little evidence in that that there's much abuse, right that the people are spending money on on drinking or um, smoking. And rather, uh, I think I think most of the studies that that are there show almost zero effect on spending in that instance. Well, they do show an impact on earnings and assets, even increased spending on nutrition and food. So really it's some indication that people in fact, you know, can be trusted and do know what they need.
1: Right. Yeah. I've seen these studies and they're very impressive. And, and there are, a, you know, a number of randomized control trials around the world to show there is, uh, that, that giving cash actually is probably the best strategy, um, which is you know, very thought provoking and important to, to recognize. Um, so we need to wrap up, but I wonder what advice you would give um Let's let's focus on individuals. I mean, you know, I sit at Wharton, I teach undergrads, I teach MBA students, I I teach doctoral students, and I think there are a fair number who would look at your job and say, oh, man, I want that. I can work at Google and do, you know, and have my positive social impact. What's your advice to people about how the heck to, you know, use their their purpose and passion in their work and perhaps to get to a job like yours?
0: I think two things um, have re- really helped me in my day-to-day work. So one of them is I I always say that it's quite helpful to get experience working, you know, close to the issues, um, working in an organization that's actually doing this work day to day and on nonprofit, thinking about what it looks like to work in government, right? To be kind of in the position that where folks are having to make some of these hard decisions. I've also really benefited from an opportunity to work across sectors. So I am an engineer by training. I worked in an NGO at a nonprofit. I've worked in the federal government. I uh, went to business school. I worked in strategy consulting and foundation, and I'm at Google. And I think actually this job really brings together a lot of my experiences in a way that I would never have imagined when I left engineering school. Many years ago, so I think though that that ability to work across sectors and to understand, you know, what are the hard decisions that someone has to make in an aligned nonprofit? What are the hard decisions that someone has to work, uh, make, or work against in the federal or you know in a government position? What is it be like to be at a big company, right? And so I think that diversity experience has been helpful to me, and I think a lot of these kind of corporate social responsibility or, or corporate philanthropy jobs benefit from. Um, having some of that diverse perspective and experience
1: makes total sense to me. Thank you. It's a it's great advice, and it suggests there's, there's there may not be a linear path to to putting together a career of impact. But I think that when individuals are simultaneously committed to impact and committed to learning and, and gathering experience. Those are important stepping stones that um, help you get where you have arrived and and maybe good advice for for students and others along the way as well. So thank you so much for for being with us. Thank you for chatting. It's uh, you know, fascinating to hear what what Google is doing. Fascinating to hear about the Trevor Project and others. Um, You know, it's fascinating to have this reminder of the power of, well, actually, you've talked about both about the power of technology and the power of cash and giving directly. So, um, so thank you so much. Thanks for having
0: me, Catherine. Really appreciate the chance to chat with you. Great. Thank you. Dollars and Change is brought to you by the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. To learn more, visit us at socialimpact.wharton.upenn.edu.